welcome everybody back to my podcast. This is Yureli Gaona, your host, and today I am interviewing Christina Lopez and LVN and Mila Bro, a surgery scheduler. So thank you girls for being here today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and so I'm doing this podcast based on how culture and socioeconomic status affects the access for patients' healthcare. So you guys work with patients one-on-one all the time. Um, and so I think this would be great for everybody to kind of know your guys' view and input. Um, so I just wanted to let you guys introduce yourselves, kind of what your roles are, what you do day-to-day, and your cultural background as well. Yeah, I'll go first. I'm Mila. And um, brief description about my job, job duties. I coordinate surgeries here in the office for urology. An understanding of what the patients are going to have and explain that to them if they have any questions. They've already, at that point, they've already talked to the doctor about what they're going to, you know, the procedure is going to be. I'll come in and just talk to them a little bit if they have any additional questions. Um, provide them with the, um, the, the, in, information that are going to need to safely get to surgery like you know labs talking to the nurses at the hospital and whatnot just giving them a surgery date um that's you know in a nutshell that's pretty much what it is answering any questions they have and um and then bringing them back for follow-up after your cultural background if you don't mind yeah so yeah not a problem so uh i was born in mexico full-blood Mexican, (laughs) was brought here as a little girl, and so I'm totally Americanized, just, you know, we grew up uh, here uh, for the first six years, I was in Mexico, and I do not remember any of it, (laughs) Um, but I grew up in a Hispanic family with Hispanic beliefs, um, you know, Catholic beliefs, uh, just really... You know, as far as that goes, we never really went back and looked at our like history, medical history ourselves. Mm-hmm. So for, for that, I couldn't like go back in my family and see, you know, like, hey, what, you know, like did my grandma have um, cancer or my great grandma or whatever, I wouldn't be able to give like a history of that. So that's one of those cultural things that they just kind of forget, they don't follow. Um, so yeah, just grew up in a Mexican family, like, you know, and then now it's totally different. Yeah. You're married. I'm married. I have four kids. Married an American guy, so totally different than how I grew up. He grew up here and has no idea about my culture, and I mean, now he knows. (laughs) Um, and of course, me growing up here in the States, I know about his culture, and so we just, we you know, mesh together very well because, yeah. you know, because I grew up here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Christina. All right. So I'm Christina and I'm the urology nurse here. And basically I assist um, all three providers doing all the catheter care, doing um, a lot of the procedures, a lot of the prepping for the doctors, um, a lot of follow-ups or, um, so basically assisting all three, all three providers um, a lot of the medication, uh, medication uh, injections for um, cancer treatments. I do a lot of um, BCG for people with bladder cancer. So um, that's basically kind of like in brief what I do, what I do here. Uh, and then my culture, um, I come from, my, both of my parents were born, born in Mexico. 
Um, they actually met here. They came at a really young age. I think my dad was about 16 and my mom was a little tiny bit older, about 18. They both met here. They married here, so we were all born and raised um, in the Bay Area. So, um, but very traditional, uh, you know, upbringing. Um, you're like, like Amila mentioned, you know, very Catholic, going to um, Sunday school, um, very family oriented. You know, everything's uh, focused around you know family and and you know dinners and. Uh, sitting around the table and talking about our days, but also growing up, you know, in in, in California, you have that uh, Americanized, you know, sure. being yeah. Mm -hmm. So so you got a little bit. I always say you I, you get a little bit of best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you do a lot of triage with the the patients because uh -huh. you're the nurse, so you get to interact with a lot of the patients. So you do, do a lot of that. Just want to point that out. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, I do. How do you guys define culture? What do you think culture is for you for you guys personally? It's, I, I, for me, it would be like upbringing, you know, like I explained for me as a Hispanic, you know, I grew up in a Mexican family. What does that entail? Food, um, health care, some of it is religion, a lot of it actually is religion, beliefs in general, and um, yeah, like how you brought up, you know, you could be American, you could be Indian, you could be um you know a multitude of race. things you know in your race so i think race defines a lot of the culture as well mm -hmm. yeah that's that's my input on that yeah i mean culture to me culture um it's a very like um a very broad term like i can use it like culture to me is it could be from from food you know from food from your beliefs from um you know a bit of of your upbringing, your morals, the the religious part of it too. There's a lot of religion in in in, in culture that, yeah. So, that's so do you guys think that that definitely plays a role in healthcare and how they access? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think a, a lot of it has to do with that. Um, not just that, but also, um, you know, like a lot of. I'll I'll just you know mention males for example males uh in my culture are brought up to work like they are you know they're the keepers of, well not the keepers of, those are the women but the the providers of the home and right. so they don't have exactly and so they don't have time in their mind they're macho you know they don't really believe in like you know i don't have time to go to the, you mm -hmm. know time is money and i don't have time to go to the doctor you yeah. know even you know probably even um uh, my husband, you know, like I gotta go to work. I don't have time to go to the doctor, you know, that yeah. kind of thing too. And so, absolutely not, not just that, but belief. I think I had just a patient recently who um, was told that, you know, uh, if he had one of the procedures that we were scheduling here, like they were gonna mess his, mess him up, is what you know what the quote unquote word was that they used, like. And I had to walk him through that and explain that to him that you know he can really trust us and trust our health care and trust our equipment and whatever he was told was probably something that somebody else heard by somebody else by somebody else and you know mm -hmm. if you say a lie long enough you know people will believe it and so yeah yeah and so um absolutely as far as the culture um barrier as well as mm -hmm. um the financial part of it you know, yeah. they don't have, you know, they don't have, um, some people don't, um, 
don't have the finances they think it's going to cost them a lot even if they have you know some sort of um, access to to insurance maybe it's limited and they will just you know neglect their health care because they're like this is going to cost me a lot mm -hmm. am i going to wake up from anesthesia can i trust this person you know just there's just a, a multitude yeah. of things that I, i'm just really focusing on my culture because that's really how you know it's old wives tales that people believe and they don't understand that there's there is um there there is a trust that they can put in their doctor and in their staff that we will take care of them and and we will get through whatever it is whether it's you know cancer or um just kidney stones we will get through it and you see this a lot with your patients a lot yeah. a lot especially once again especially i know that my i can talk about my culture because yeah. it's you know what we see a lot of it here and they are just scared to death mm -hmm. i mean i have this one patient that he's been waiting for surgery he says no 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 he'll give me every excuse under the sun and the doctor says we need to do surgery see what you can do to help him explain to him that he'll be okay and he has a couple options and so we have and we finally got him scheduled because i was able to get him to something that's less invasive that he can go in get it done there's no cutting there's no um no blood involved and you know we can help him with his kidney stones and finally he was able to accept that because of the nurture and explanation and appointment and follow-up and whatnot and he is an older Hispanic gentleman that grew up just, you know, not going to the doctor. I think mm -hmm. a lot of it too, sometimes they think the more I go to the doctor, I'm, I'm going to be sicker. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, if I wash my car, it's going to break down. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just getting them out of that, mm -hmm. that um, mindset mm -hmm. is very hard. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. I, I was going to mention um, that whole, like how culture played a part is, is um is this whole mindset of not not complaining or not going to the hey nothing hurts why do i need to go to the doctor yeah. you know um i had a patient that 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 he said he said um i had an abnormal test done um for example psa 10 years ago but nothing was wrong nothing hurt me i had no symptoms of anything right so then we fast forward now we're looking at 10 years down down the road now he's full of symptoms and it's like the doctor hey why didn't you you know i i see a an abnormal psa 10 years ago mm -hmm. well i mean i nothing was hurting me you know mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't have anything you know i didn't feel anything was wrong so yeah. so then you go 10 years and now now you have you know prostate mm -hmm. cancer or whatever it is you know so it's this whole kind of macho or or upbringing of of you know nothing being wrong so I shouldn't go to the doctor mm -hmm. you know because then I will go and maybe then all these things are gonna you know um, come up you know so so that's kind of just to piggyback on yeah and I think that's unfortunate for our culture because they will not come and they will come until it's kind of sometimes too late, too late sometimes and yeah. sometimes when it's too late doctors can't do what they could have done okay. And so now they lose this belief, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's not about preventative care, mm -hmm. and they, yeah. mm -hmm. they they're of, not educated on preventative yeah. care so much. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. if it's not broken, why fix mm -hmm. it? Yeah. But they don't realize that maybe something is being broken inside mm -hmm. until it's too late. Mm -hmm.
I know you guys talked about that you guys um, see this in your culture and your patients, but have you guys experienced any of this firsthand or like your family members? I know, for example, my dad, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. <laughs> older, after yeah, you know yeah. then. Yeah, I can say that for my dad. Uh, my dad passed away uh, almost two years ago, and I wasn't super close to my dad, but I always knew um, knew what was going on in his life. And he died alone in his home, and we, to this day, all it says there is pneumonia. But we knew that there was other stuff going on, but my dad is one of those macho guys, right, yeah. that he had diabetes he probably had hypertension he probably had other stuff and maybe he ended up dying of covid pneumonia um that's just a thought but he was those macho guys that don't go to the doctor because Mm -hmm. they don't need somebody else telling them what to do with their body right and it's unfortunate but that is just the way that it is so yeah so firsthand i believe my dad my mom is um my mom was more like she was also she was our breadwinner in the very beginning of our lives because my parents were separated but um but she didn't go to the doctor mainly because of the work thing mm-hmm. i need to work so i can't go to the doctor now that i'm in the healthcare system you know working here i encourage her and i think she you know we've developed a trust where she's more concerned about her care and she does that now but it took a long time to get there where it's like you know what work is there yeah your health care your health Mm -hmm. you know may diminish and so we need to take care of you and she trusts me enough to okay okay I will you know that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. yeah very Christina I think I think with my parents it it, I think having had um they've been here most of their life you know they both came at a very young age that they are on the preventative side you know they 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 you know they go to their to their yearly checkups but but once they hear like a diagnosis I think that that's where the fear kicks in Mm -hmm. and um and I think that um what I've been really really passionate about being in the uh, healthcare is is the education because I see where the education with Mm -hmm. um with not only Spanish speaking uh but with you know other other cultures that there's that lack in education and understanding and and um, and explaining um, because there is you know there there's a lot um, going on. I mean, there's yeah. pe- uh, patients are really really complex and and we don't have that much time in the day. The providers don't have that much time in the day to sit there and explain. Yeah. You know, um, so that's really unfortunate because then you get luckily like we're in the medical field, right? Our parents have us, but there's people that go home and. They and they know. they don't know they have no idea understanding what yeah the understanding no idea hey they just said I do have this or I don't have this or what am I supposed to you know so um or so they I think ask around or they yes. Google and or they get Google. the wrong information yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. that's the worst thing they can do so, yeah yeah if healthcare was free do you guys think that culture and their economic status will still play a role in their access to healthcare? It would make a difference um, for them. There is the other side of patients that, you know, like just an example, female patients that 
you know, suffer from, in our, in our practice, suffer from prolapse or um, incontinence. Um, you know, for a female, that's big, right? Because, you know, we're, we can't be uh, having urinary incontinence and being at a party, for example, right? And so for, for, for that side, I think that if they had the finances to immediately get that healthcare, they would be more like, you know what, I'm going to see if somebody can take care of this for me because, you know, but at the same time, then they hold back because like, oh, I got to work, you know, and I don't have either the time or the money to do that. And so if it were free, I think that it would play a role, huge role, because that's another thing. And I think I mentioned in the, in the very beginning that males are the breadwinners, mm -hmm. right? Females, um, some of them are also breadwinners because they are, you know, there's fatherless children in the home and there is no father in the home. And so if it were free, I think, yeah, I mean, it, w it would be a huge thing. I mean, a lot of the people that come, we, we, have an, a, um, we have a program that's available to our patients that have no financial um ability to do certain surgeries and do and cannot get insurance because they're either undocumented mm -hmm. or they are um or they are just not eligible for uh for the uh government health care therefore we have this program available and i see a lot of patients that would either be embarrassed to come to our you know our specialty or that would probably be like you know i'm not going to do it because i don't have the money i mean it's thousands of dollars that we don't have mm -hmm. um yet i see them coming in with that program and once i tell them don't give up we have this available to you they will follow through follow up and call me and i don't have to reach be reaching out to them uh absolutely a place uh you know when it's free it's for me <laughs> do you think that if it's if it's free do you think people would come more to preventative care or do you think that, oh, because it's free, it's, uh, I'll go if I'm sick? Well, I think, I, I, Christina can weigh on this too, but I think a lot of it is just laziness. Mm -hmm. Like Christina said also, if it doesn't hurt, it's really not on the top, you know, like in our mind. And so I think that's just in general for any human being, out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. And of course, if something's hurting, like if your tooth, you know, you have, you know, like a toothache, for example, you're gonna go check it out but if you don't have a toothache yet you have a cavity that's not causing you problems you're not gonna go yeah and i think that's just in general for people if you know i don't i don't think it would make a, a difference if it was free i think if there is like for us that we both work in specialty and and this is when when the preventative care has already been neglected that's when they come to us and so for us we you know i honestly think that um it would not make a huge difference it would make a difference for the people that you know that are you know, i think that we're taught to to do that i think it carries on from generation to generation mm -hmm. to family to family how they are like for example you know christina's gonna teach her kids about um preventive care you know and so am i but you know did or generations back then i didn't grow up like that yeah my mom did took me to get my shots because it was you know necessary required. to go to school and it was required um, but I don't remember her taking me like for yearly checkups yeah. at all and so I make sure that my kids receive that but um, I, I don't think obviously you know generations back I don't think my mom was taught to do that 
because you know it was too expensive we lived in a rancho over in mexico and the closest doctor was who knows where and you know and they were going to pay for that yeah so i just think it's you know kind of 50 50. i think i'm i'm i think it it would make a difference but there's also the part that there has to be that like i said like the the education and the outreach Mm -hmm. because if there's no education there's no outreach how do people know how do people Mm -hmm. uh, you know so if there's so it goes to me it goes hand in hand there's no if there's no education there's no outreach the community to the people then how do they you know Mm -hmm. you know then they're just still kind of left so that's why i've always you know been so passionate about education about outreach Mm -hmm. because if there's none of that it just you can't i mean it kind of goes it goes hand in hand right i mean yeah have you guys seen that certain religious beliefs act as superior for patients? I know we talked about, you know, kind of their lack of knowledge or, you know, certain healthcare and financially, but what about religious? Have you guys had any encounters? Um, can you repeat that question again? I like religious beliefs? Like, let's say, like, let's um, say I can't Jehovah see, Witness yes. can have blood transfusions yeah. or things or like that. Or certain um, um, cultures yeah. or religious can't touch a wo- a man can't touch a woman. Oh, yeah, or, okay. You know, some men or some cultures or religion um, don't see a woman having, like, a, a man yeah, I mean, job, you know? I mean, I have one patient that's, uh, you know been awaiting surgery for well she's not waiting she actually declined surgery after you know she's got a major prolapse and we were going to do a combination surgery on her and she had one of her she does not speak english um and she had her son call and i want to say uh she is i think she may speak um she's from like an Asian community and so anyway so she had her son call us and I spoke to him and she declined surgery without any explanation mm-hmm. yet she's got a major prolapse um Christine actually saw this patient um the day that we were going to get her ready to to go to the OR and no explanation and you know all I could I could encourage them and I can tell them but all I was able to say is we're here whenever she decides to do it. Deep down inside of my heart, I know that there was a reason and no reason was given. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, in my heart, I think there's that reason would probably be, you know, culture. Mm-hmm. There, there's something there and she just didn't say it because she's, it's something she needs. It's something that's, you know, eventually going to be an emergency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but I even though the answer to that would be no, it, deep down I know it's it's got to be something like that. But then I think do you, do you think it plays a role in that whether the provider or doctor is a male or a female, right? In culture, in, in culture, absolutely. I, you know, yeah, it could be because her other the the supporting surgeon is a female, mm-hmm. and then she comes here and realizes it's a male. And I, that could be it. I can't say for sure it is, but you know, as I think about it, I, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. here we don't have a female that can do those surgeries. You know, yeah. you have two males, and that's your option. Yeah. <laughs> it could be, yeah. But I, even just, sorry, even just here, uh, people coming to their appointments, from when when the MAs are rooming them, the, there's some males that are clear, clearly will state, I will not see a female. Mm-hmm. I want the the male doctor to come in and see me. Mm-hmm. You know, no. It, 
Somehow, yeah, and I'll uh, even mention on that that I am very myself, I grew up like that, and yeah. I didn't need yeah. to say this, but yeah. I grew up like that. And unless yeah. it's unless it's uh something absolutely necessary, I won't have a male, you know, touch my genital area, I just yeah. won't. And so, I've been offered, hey, you know, so and so is not here. Can doctor so and so male do you know do your exam? I'm like. I will wait for my female doctor. Thank you very much. And I always request female doctors. And doctor. that's a culture thing. It surely is. Yeah. Like, you know, nobody should be yeah. seen down there. Even my mom would feel more comfortable with a female. Yeah, female. Because she's a female. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. my dad, too. It's like, oh. And my mom, my I recently scheduled an appointment for my mom for, you know, established with a doctor. And I said, you know, just out of curiosity, do you care if a yeah, I didn't think she cared, and then she said, uh, yes, make sure it's with the female, please. Yeah. And so it definitely got carried on. Especially if it's private areas. Yes, absolutely. You know, or, you know, breast exams, yeah, abdomen, things, yeah. you know, anything that has yeah. to do with kind of your intimate private yeah, parts. Private, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, funny thing that working, uh, before I started uh, working in urology, I worked um, geriatrics, so I worked at an assisted living memory care. And so the do- there's... Um, our culture is not really dominant in that in that um, in that environment. So you have a whole different uh, culture that is like, oh no, you know, you have women saying, I want, I want the youngest, tallest, most beautiful male to, you know, yeah, yeah, to you know, to help me take a shower or whatever it is, right? And 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 our culture is complete, you know, it's like because we take care of our yeah, grandparents. Yes, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I think putting them in a nursing home or retiring home is like an insult. It's an them. insult. It's like yeah, yeah, right? yeah it's absolutely. Like, no, yeah. You take care of me. I took care of you. you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Your turn. <laughs> Your turn. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I mean, in that it comes where we. I mean, I can say, and I think you guys can say too, as you know, some, I'm the oldest, but as you kind of take that role of helping your parents in their healthcare, yeah. And mm-hmm. so we see a lot of that too here, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like sometimes these patients don't want to do certain things, but their children are like, "No, do it. You need it." Yeah. Yeah. And so right. there's that of like, well, the patient doesn't want it, but their caregivers do want it, and it's like that's hard. Yeah. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. experience dealing um, with that. Absolutely. That patient I was talking about earlier that we had to convince him to have surgery and that their, you know, whatever their friend said that we were going to blast something inside their, their body. Um, her, his daughter actually had a big role and big part in convincing him to have one of the procedures, you know? And so it's been a few months in claim. He just decided to do it. And she was, yeah, definitely. I think that my mom, um, my mom trusts me with her care and she looks to me and she'll call me and um, and if if I give her advice on it, she will definitely go you know go for it and feel more comfortable because you know even though you, you I mean you're in the field for so many years they and we're not definitely we're not providers but we see a lot of what they do and we see a lot of you know a lot of good a lot of you know not so good and we can you know give them advice on maybe not on on their care directly but how to guide them where to get care mm-hmm. where to you know who to trust and um, how to follow up and you know yes you can trust this doctor it's okay we'll be here you know somebody that can advocate for them Absolutely. now that they're older I was gonna say that I was gonna say 
you know, being being the oldest, you have to you we have to be their advocate. You yeah. have to be their voice. You mm-hmm. have to be the one that mm-hmm. is constantly, hey, you have to take your medication. Why? Because your blood pressure is good because you're taking it. My mom, my mom will constantly say, no, but I win. My blood pressure is great. I can stop taking it now. No, you can't. <laughs> it's good because you're taking yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I know that that. And from that comes. You know, we are blessed to be in healthcare, so we know a lot of this. We have, you know, we know history, we know a lot of terms. But there's, you know, patients that have siblings, caregivers, not siblings, sorry, um, children, their siblings, or caretakers, even their aunts, something that they don't really know medical terms. And right. they're the ones translating, right? Yeah. And so, how does that affect their healthcare? I mean, there has to be something missed throughout that translation if they're not aware of any medical terms you know? they are and i really believe that sometimes they brush it off mm-hmm. they just kind of share the information that they did understand mm-hmm. yeah um i can say that um for a couple of months there my sister was actually taking my, my mom to a facility to get some sort of vein treatments mm-hmm. till this day i have no idea what vein treatments my mother was receiving because i asked my sister so what is mom getting done and um they live an hour away so i wasn't available for that and we have a busy clinic here so i can't take a lot of time off um but uh she wasn't able to tell me and so that's where it left off and it i told my mom i said you know that's very scary to know that you're getting treatment you have no idea or no understanding of what you're getting Mm -hmm. and my sister took you she asked the doctor she made the appointment and she said, oh, that sounds good. You know, that if that'll help her, let's go for it. However, what is it? She, to this day, she can't explain to me. Mm-hmm. Of course, I you know, was able to look some things up and um, I have an appointment to go with her so that I can talk to yeah. the doctor and find out why is mom getting this? What you know are side effects and what should we look for? Things like that. Because if she calls me and says, hey, I'm feeling this way, maybe it's a side effect of what she's receiving and I don't have to be so scared. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, my sister kind of brushed it off and trust the doctor, and it's okay to do that. But you, as the advocate, you have mm-hmm. to understand what is it that your loved one is getting done. Mm-hmm. What is it that you know, having a, an actual in, medical interpreter to understand and help them understand that, because in you know, they're the the caregivers are just trusting in having a lot of faith in 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 the healthcare or in the providers however what they need to understand is that providers are a human too and providers can also make mistakes and having a full understanding of what is going on can help them better better make you know make better decisions for the, for their their loved ones and it helps them assess the risks because yeah. you need to know what are the risks that are yeah. going to happen with this procedure it might help her but what are the side effects but yeah exactly exactly being able to give that really informed consent hey mm-hmm. this is this is what i'm doing it this is why i'm doing it mm-hmm. it's going to benefit me this way but then there might be these side effects mm-hmm. okay I think this is a great idea giving that informed consent because if yeah. you can't, yeah. And there could be multiple yeah. options. I it think could not just be one. And I think exactly. people yeah. go to the first one they say or that's the one that's good. like the easiest to do mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than actually listening to all to of them mm-hmm. and really finding yeah. out what it means. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They just kind of like relay whatever they did understand a little bit, a little piece of what they mm-hmm. understood. And then the 
family member is trusting the caregiver mm-hmm. and that they did understand and you know unfortunately it's not it's not like that yeah that's true so i mean would you what would you guys say would help or make a difference for people to not have you know their culture as be a barrier or their social economic class like what would be your ideal fix or is there an fix to this you know christina made a big point on education mm-hmm. uh if we can have more education and less of the rush appointments in the rushed um you know we're a business as well as we are trying to help multiple patients and there's not enough urologists there's not enough practitioners there's not enough um uh, family doctors out there and so everybody's rushed and if we had um, more people out in the community teaching people mm-hmm. about how to care for themselves what to look for what to go to the emergency keep them out of the emergency room by educating them mm-hmm. um, being able to teach them about coming in for preventive care I mean, more groups like that. I can't do that. I'm not strong in that. She's passionate about it. I don't know, you know, but I do believe that if we would teach them young, everybody, if we teach anybody young, they will care for themselves. And education is huge at, you know, being able to not just, not just teaching, but then teaching the, the, the family members, how, what questions should you ask? What should you look for? What should, you know, like, um, just in general, you know, you don't go to, to the, you know, I mean, you may not take, you know, visibly be dirty, but you take showers every day. Yeah. You know, same thing with healthcare. You may not be hurting right now, but you need to go to the doctor so that you don't have these problems later on in life. You know, be young, be, you know, exactly. Yeah. Preventative care is key and education is the first step to, you know, being able to do that. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's yeah, I agree. And then the other part of it that I had mentioned is that um, it's the outreach. You know, mm-hmm. before I, I worked um, when I was a medical assistant. We I worked for Women's Health, and we did lots of outreach. We did lots of like community fairs, a lot of health fairs, mm-hmm. and these health fairs. Um, and I think that because of COVID, everything kind of slowed down. But I thought these health fairs is where a lot of people that don't have insurance, that don't have the funds. We're getting their blood pressures checked. We're getting mm-hmm. flu shots. We're getting on birth control. We're we're, we're getting, um, you know, a lot of their healthcare needs met. You know, met from from these um, these health fairs. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a lot that I haven't seen in a long, you know, in a while. That hopefully I, I think will contribute. You know, yeah, to that. Yeah, will help. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The education is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Preventive care is important. Knowing learning about your body yeah yeah because i think nobody teaches us right especially in our culture it's like we only go because something's hurting exactly and so yeah it takes some tylenol and we're specialty so people that come here it's like they've already skipped that part yeah you know the preventive health care we you know in our organization we have a lot of um a lot of uh specialty care Mm -hmm. and it's because you know it's some of it is too late some of it is genetic. There's a lot of components, but a lot of it is starting young, mm-hmm. preventative care, you know, uh, mm-hmm. from dental care to regular health care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you both for doing this. I of course. It. Anytime. Right. So <laughs> Anytime. Thank you, guys.